The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Brian Lozano. Brian is a storyteller living in Queens. Brian moved to the US from the Philippines as a young boy and found himself looking for people who felt close to home. Then at five, he had his first crush, and it took him five years of pining over that crush to finally do something about it. Hey, Brian, how is it going? Pretty good, how are you, Brian? Good, yeah, you're the you're the first Brian I think I've had on the show, and the, who spells it the same way as me. Spells which, it the right way. Yeah. Spells it the right way. My thing is always like, I get I get annoyed when I send an email and I sign my name Brian and it's in my email subject name oh and then they God. reply back with an I and I'm like, you, it's everywhere. My, it's it's everywhere. Constantly. You were going out of your way to spell my name wrong. I wish this this whole podcast was just <laughs> was about just how many times that we would get Brian with That's, a freaking I. God the alternative, it. the new podcast is just bringing on people with obscure name spellings and just having them rant about how their name, like people. It's in the signature. You've met me for a year. You, you've you spelled it right your whole time knowing me. And then you do this wrong at this particular moment. And I'm like, why? Oh, anyway. Well, it's good having you on. I'm glad we got to talk about that. I'll Thank see you, you. later. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So what did you want to talk about today? Yeah, I, I wanted to tell a story, uh, my first love and also, uh, my first heartbreak. Um, and, uh, I, I think for, it's funny cause you know, usually when I think of this story, I was, I was 10 years old when everything happened, but in context, it's actually like an interesting just story of me growing up in Queens and, okay. And I, you know, I think you've heard some of my stories before and like, no matter what, somehow I'm always repping Queens really hard than like, like kissing my finger and like <laughs> point to the sky and be like Queens forever. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it feels like kind of a defining part of your childhood, right? It's like where 100%. you grew up, it, it influences the type of person you become, right? hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I've been saying this for a long time now in any kind of context is like Queens is magic you know queens of the future i'll use some sort of like you know big really large large line in yeah, reference some, to queens just some vague some yeah. vague but powerful statement about queens exactly at all times if i can find other you know ways to describe it i will but yeah i, I um so wh- when my parents actually got me here around three or four years old um to okay queens. so you weren't born in america no i was born in the philippines and my father actually was able to come to america because he got a work visa from my uncle and you know what's funny is like i'm still kind of piecing together the story which i think is so typical of like the like the immigrant uh son or daughter just trying to figure out how did their parents get here i'm still like kind of confused but apparently my uncle met someone in saudi so my uncle and my father lived in saudi you know that was like the typical thing for filipinos to do like back in the the 80s 70s to bring money back home um to your family and I don't know how this happened, but then my uncle became a driver for the Nigerian consulate. Well, um, okay. Yeah. So then my dad became a driver for Nigerian consulate. I, I think that's how exactly how we got a work visa. So my father, my mom, so through that visa, joined my uncle. Um, they moved to Queens and, and I, they, they kept me in the, in the Philippines. 
So they picked me up, uh, you know, a year later. So I come to, you know, to the United States. Um, my father works, you know, for the Nigerian consulate, which is such an interesting experience because it's like, you know, I remember going to the Nigerian consulate's really large house somewhere in a suburb, and I'm like, oh my god, is this how Americans live? Except it's not America because it's a Nigerian consulate. <laughs> so Nigerian consulate's like kids, and I was like, okay. But um, my mom's first job was a um, housekeeper for a rich lady in Staten Island. Her name was Judy. So my first experience actually in America that I remember, the earliest at least, is going on the Staten Island ferry with her to accompany her, her job. So I was like, and I have pictures of this, right? I'm like wearing like full Mets regalia, so nothing has changed, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Indoctrinated early. You're matching the ferry with all the orange. 100%. But yeah, so I, I you know, I grew up in Queens, I had such interesting experiences, but like where I grew up is an area, a neighborhood called Elmhurst. Um, you know, Elmhurst is kind of infamous a little bit now because it was the epicenter for, or the epicenter, the center of the center of COVID, you know, you know, so, which, you know, I, I, there's a whole kind of nuance there because uh, Elmhurst is still very beloved for me. And like, when I think of Queens's magic, I think of Elmhurst, right? Like I grew up playing like Mahjong and uh, cricket, and like Magic the Gathering, like all in the same <laughs> summer. So it's like, okay, yeah, like that's magic. I get an opportunity to really like get to meet like a rich sense of like cultures, right? Like, you know, my, my favorite food still growing up is like um, roti kanaya, Indonesian food um, and Malaysian food and, uh, and Taiwanese food, right? So it's like El- Elmer's kind of gave me all these experiences, but. So there's uh, a lot of cultures like overlapping in Elmer's is kind of yes. what you're saying, yeah. Yes, and the food is incredible. So if you've not been, Brian, I'm going to have to take you. That's what's okay. going to have to happen. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you know, being um, uh, you know a first-generation immigrant, uh, my I spoke two languages because in, in the Philippines, you speak Tagalog, which is the main language, and no, where depending on where you're f- where you live and, and where you're from in the Philippines, um, and even like certain cities. So the city I'm from is called Tarlac, which is north in in, in the Luzon province. Um, there's like, depending on what area of the city you live, you will speak a different language because okay. there's so many dialects in the Philippines and my dialect was Kapangpangan. So it was Kapangpangan and Tagalog. So that's all I spoke, you know, obviously yeah. between ages one And you're kind of learning, like there's the one you're learning maybe in school and then right. there's like your local, di- yeah, that's, so my mom was born in Italy and she now like today still knows her dialect but like doesn't know italian like barely has any sense of italian but can like still talks to her mom and like the dialect they spoke so yeah so i apparently only spoke uh, in tagalog and my dialect mostly my dialect growing up and then i got to fifth grade um to you know we're getting into kindergarten my mom brings me to kindergarten and i'm i'm there and and she kind of told me this later um so she was really, teachers came up to her one day and said that if I don't start speaking more English in class, they're going to move me to ESL, right? ESL is English as a second language. It's a remedial program. It's, you know, obviously you come to America because at least for a lot of Filipinos and to this day, it's like the land of riches and opportunity, right? Um, so when these teachers posed this idea of ESL as being a remedial program, it sounded like death to my mom, right? And the point of this coming to this country was not for a lack of opportunity for her kid. And it just kind of like hit me uh, a ton, like when I was like young, thinking a little bit about that that particular moment, because the funny thing is my mom stopped speaking to me in Tagalog and in my dialect completely. Like she oh, refused. Yeah, kind of like to throw you in the deep end of like, yeah. we're going to get you 
into English really quick. 100%. You're going to sink or swim, which has been the you know title of my biography for everything I do in life. <laughs> so she stopped speaking to me in Tagalog. And, you know, I think being a kid at that age, you're like so impressionable. So I didn't really speak my language very much. But then what ended up happening is my grandmother came to the Philippines, you know, under a visa, um, I think just visiting visa. I'm, I have to actually ask my mom at some point um, to basically raise me because my, my two parents, now my mom had that job as a housekeeper. My, my dad was a working driver and he started doing other jobs and my mom eventually became a nurse and they didn't have time to really raise me. So my grandmother came in and also she had the opportunity to make money as a babysitter in other places and, and send it back home. Um, she was kind of like the, the, the matriarch of the family. Um, and she, at that, she's the only grandparent that I ever really uh, spent time with as well. And because of her, um, I ended up learning, at least retaining understanding of my language. Um, yeah, so like she would I, still speak to you. Yeah, she can yeah. only speak to me in Tagalog. Yeah. So, and then I also grew up with my cousins, um, and they were very Filipino. Like, they retain their language, they speak a ton, and they would always, like, rent VHSs. And, like, you know, like, there wasn't really context in Elmhurst. There's not a large Filipino community, interestingly enough, in Elmhurst. There's, okay. like, huge cultures, Indonesian, Malaysian, uh, a, 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 a strong Latinx community. But Filipino was actually in the town over in Woodside. Um, and I didn't actually spend much time there aside from renting these VHS movies, right? And I love rom-coms. And because of that time, like, Filipino movies had just all of these rom-coms. And it somehow, it just, you know, it, yeah, in fifth grade, from yeah, on, it just... your your brain. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, that, that, that I would say, unfortunately. So I, I had this uh, delusional sense of what love is <laughs> early on. Um, and so... The interesting part is like through all of these experiences, I think I was looking deeply at my identity because my mom doesn't speak to me in, in Tagalog. I, I don't I didn't grow up in a very Filipino community. And it's because I grew up in sort of this multicultural community that what I think what ends up happening, or at least for me, was I was trying to find myself in spaces, right? And I think this has been a big theme of my life is just belonging right what that looks like um not just in america but in the spaces that we're in because queens is such a like really amazing space of so many cultures so like but then you have these enclaves of people coming together and i grew up in a place where there wasn't one right so i'm like you know like where do i belong i'll play cricket but i was like definitely not bengali right like which is all my friends were i'm playing cricket and i was like and i think i kept trying to find that in people so I'm in kindergarten. I'm not in ESL. And like at this point, like I'm spending a lot of time in the summers with my, my cousins. It's like, I think, you know, first grade rolls around. And I remember meeting a girl, um, the girl, you know, and uh, her name was Eureka. I mean, which what a name for an early crush. I you know. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. It's a perfect name. I never really got to talk to her because that's obviously what happens when you have a crush. <laughs> And I think when I saw Eureka, um, I was like, oh, my God, there, there is. She's Filipino, right? So, like, in my mind, she's Filipino. Or at least she's an avatar for what I was looking for, which is, like, myself. Like, yeah, I think- it's, like, for you having this search of, like, where do I belong, where do I belong? It's like, oh, this is a person who feels like my people. Right. 
Exactly. And is and this at school? Like, where did you at school. meet her? Okay. It's at school. So when you're like five, right? And you have this like crush, five, six, you have this crush on Eureka. And you're like, this is the person for me. Or I just like, I want to know her. Like, you know, the concept of love is where it is. You know, I remember like falling for somebody when I was four and having uh, it just kind of being like vague, right? Like, I didn't know what love meant, but I was like, I want to be with this person. And like, do you remember like at that age, like what you thought, like what you wanted to, like what you wanted your life to be? Were you thinking about what your life was like with Eureka? Like, what was it at that age that was? I don't think it was, it was as like complex as like where my life was was gonna be yes. but i will say i just i it's you know it's funny because again it's like it wasn't about anything physical right it was just this sort of comfort that she made me feel because every time i saw her it's almost like seeing and finding this identity that i've been looking for like i've been trying to find my community myself my people right and then so when i would when i remember this because like i would see her in line and there's just a bunch of kids running around in primary school because we're all crazy. And yet, like, in kindergarten, right, and in first grade, like, she's the only person I see, right? Yeah, you're getting that thing where everything is, like, slowing yes. down and there's shadows happening and she's just, like, the glowing. <laughs> yep. I don't know if, like, what, what... Yeah, and you have no idea, like, internally, like, what that even means, but you're like, oh, I really like what this feels yes. like. Yes, and there, again, no physical capacity at this age, but the longing like the deep longing of like like who I wanted to be and who I wanted to be around you know I constantly like she was this avatar for this the sense of comfort but like I just I wanted to know everything I wanted to be in that same in the same breath in the same air um and I think again it's like oh my gosh it's like I think she's my people or at the very least like I didn't really have a, you know, like at this age, like I don't really know what love is, but I think I was looking for belonging, right, in the context of love, and I, and which I think is a really sophisticated idea for yeah, a yeah. five-year-old. But you know, I, 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 it's it makes sense so much more, you know, as I grow up in terms of looking for those spaces of belonging. So of course, like as a feeling, it was there for me, right, with her. Um, so. At some and, point, and so there was no like interact. You said you hadn't talked to, her. so there was no interaction. You just kind of like saw her across the room, and you're like, "This is her." <laughs> we were not friends. Yeah. Okay. Ever. I think. Obviously, I knew her name, so yes. we got to the point where like I, like I don't ever think we were in the same class. Yeah, like either. not even a point where you could like no. just interact with each other through natural like things happening throughout a school day or no, whatever. The, the hope and the dreams, you know, that things work out like the romantic comedies that I kept thinking that they will because it's like, oh, we're going to run into each other in the lunchroom. And do you have, <laughs> like, is there like anybody in your life that you are like talking to this? Like, do you have a friend where you're like, Eureka, oh, have you seen her? Like, no, or is this all, absolutely this is all not. internal? This is all in yeah. my mind. And like, I also because, you know, I had such a, <laughs> Like with love, I just remember my parents were so bad at talking about not just love, like just to generalize it. Like she's horrible at talking about sex and, you know, puberty and love and all that stuff. And like I remember I would go early. I would really – I would I started walking to school at like third grade, something like insanely early because it was like my parents were like, deal with it, live life, sink or swim, you know, do what it is. (laughs) And um, in fourth grade, I met up 
I made a lot of friends and we played football in the early morning. It was like these kind of cool kids that somehow I like got associated with and they played football every morning and I'm like, yeah, real cool. Um, and every morning I would like leave really early to school. And I remember my mom and dad, they sat me down and they're like, why are you going to school so early? And I was like, what, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm just, I'm going to go, go play with my friends. They're like, is there a girl? Like, like they really looked at me and they're like, is there a girl? You better not be touching her. Right. And I went, why would I be touching a girl? I remember it was like third or fourth grade. Yeah. You're getting this conversation at an age where it's like, it's fully over your head. Like no, it's not, you have no there's comprehension. No physicality in any of this. It, it was just a pure emotion. Just shining across the room. Like how yeah. I, there's, there's no way I could physically touch anybody from yeah. the scenario 100%. I'm in. Yeah. My emotional maturity was a high level. Physical maturity, yeah. not even, there was no alignment. Yeah, There's I no felt, alignment. Yeah, I was probably around that point at that age too, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, so I I had no no sense of that, and it's funny because I I look back at that moment and I was like, what am I supposed to do with the other sex here? Like, yeah, you you're know, like I, you don't even know the questions to ask, but you're just yeah. like, I don't have all the information. My parents yeah. are trying to have the sex talk with me, and it's not the right age for me to be having this. No, <laughs> not at all. And I was like, I just wanted to talk about my emotions, and still do, obviously. Yeah. So I met. Eureka, the love of my life, uh, in kindergarten, um, and didn't really notice her until about first grade when I was six years old, and I was pining over her for for four beautiful years, <laughs> uh, and you know we were we were we were going to fifth grade, and the following year everyone's going to graduate. Well, in fifth grade everyone's going to graduate, and the following year we're going to go to junior high school. So I had no choice but to tell her how I felt. I had to take these emotions and up the ante, right? So I was like... Wait, so it's been... You said it's been five years? Like it's been it's, five years so, of opining. And you're still like, yeah. And it, that's still wild that like you've never been in a class together this whole time. Never. It's just kind of like... Just this person you see across the hallway every once in a while. Yeah. And it's like it's like that moment too. Every time she walks across it, like you just like look and you're like, oh my God. Yeah, you Everything freeze stops. and you Everything. just stare at her and then nothing happens and it's been nothing. five years of this. I know. Oh my God. I'm just thinking about it now. I was like, yeah, it really was five years. I, I kept thinking something would happen because I, I kept watching rom-coms so I can like you know, again, Filipino movies and trying to find myself in these identities. And I was like, it's going to happen. And then like, my best friend's going to be like, you got this. And it's like, you know, this particular moment where everything is going to crescendo, it's going to be amazing. So instead of having that, and I don't remember having that best friend role situation for anyone to help me, but I just kept going, you know, you, you, you do this or you don't, you sink or swim, right? I've had this attitude kind of growing up at this point and I'm like, all right, Let's make it happen. So I actually don't remember when I did. There wasn't like a Valentine's Day situation. Like it would have made a lot more sense for this, but I I don't remember exactly when or exactly how I came up with this idea. But I remember talking to my friend because he had these blinged out crosses. Like, so, and he was like, yo, like I got these silver Jesus pieces, right? And it's, and he's like, I'm like, where did you get that? Because I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And he's like, I got it from my cousin. Uh, he sells stuff in the corner. And I was like, oh, word? So, <laughs> and you know, so in, in hindsight. So in your head, you're like, in your head, you're like, I, she's not noticing me. This will make her notice me. Is that kind of 100%. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Again, you're watching these problematic rom-coms. You're going to know yeah. that jewelry makes a difference or something or another, right? 
perceived value. Um, so I go and talk to that cousin in the corner who sells things, right? Um, including blinged out Jesus pieces. And I asked him, like, how much for a cross? And he's like, one for 10, two for 20. And I was like, oh my God, two for 20. What a deal. Same price. <laughs> hey, fifth grade. Okay. I was like, state of primary school in America. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not going to make, make that designation. But um, I just remember thinking, I really should get one for my mom. <laughs> so eventually I, I was able to get, uh, you know, doing a couple of different odd jobs, not like a, like a very job job situation like I had when I was 12, literally two years later, but like I would buy a stick of gum, right? And they would be 25 cents for the five stick and then you'd sell each one for 25 cents. So you yeah. can really like, you know. You sold 20 packs of gum. <laughs> yes, whatever it takes, okay, for love. That's what I, that's what I felt at 10 years old. And eventually I, I bought it. Um, and then my big plan was this. I, I put it in an envelope. And I was like, I can't just put it in an envelope by itself. I was like, okay, all right, I gotta write something. I gotta put something here. I have oh, to okay. let her know. So you're it's giving me. this to her. And yes. at first, I thought you were wearing this yourself, but you're <laughs> no. giving it to her. Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, look at I me, thought, girl. Yeah, I thought you were like, oh, I'm gonna look so cool with this. But you're like giving <laughs> no, this to her. As, I wanted. To, yes, I, I wanted to match with my mom. Yes, <laughs> we got to have our matching. Well, I couldn't. I didn't know if they were big, like. Like more oh, like, it was pretty big. Yeah, it was. It was I ridiculous. Know, you know, I wasn't and sure. It, and it was also like painted over, which I found okay. out much later. You know, it was totally so blinged like out. So they're like fairly tacky, and that and you <laughs> at that age were just had no sense of yours. Like, Zero sense. Great. Yeah, yeah. I was just like flashy jewelry, everything that I know in rom coms work. You know, flashy moments, right? Yeah. And so I wrote. I wrote a poem to go along with this, these blinged out crosses or well, this blinged out cross, right? Cause the other one was my mom and I didn't give her a poem cause I, I just didn't yeah, think that would be appropriate. Just, yeah. yeah. So the poem was, uh, roses are red, violets are blue. Eureka. I just want you to know I love you. Oh shit. Boom. <laughs> Done. <laughs> did you like, did you have a plan for how you were going to give this to her? Like, were you? Did you sign your name, or are you gonna hand it to her and be like, "No, no, no"? I could not hand yeah, it to that's her. What I mean. We had so zero conversations. Right? So yeah, we had like, zero conversations ever. We don't know. She doesn't know who I am. I think she knows my name. You yeah. know, but we just have zero. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know her backstory. I, you know, but yeah. There's no world where it makes sense for you to walk up to her and give her 100%. something. Yeah, hundred percent. So I just put my name on it. I put it in an envelope. Um, yeah, and I decided, you know, at lunch period. She and it's crazy because I remember this too. It was like the the lunchroom was split in two parts, right? There's tables on the left, tables on the right, and you would sit your class. And I remember um, from the entrance of the lunchroom, we were on the back side, on the left side, like if you're facing the entrance, right? And she's on the right side, kind of toward the middle of the like one of the middle tables. Oh, I do. Oh my God. I remember this moment so well now. Like I'm really thinking about it and I would, because I would watch her like a crazy stalker person. Cause I know where she would sit with her friends. Cause I said, I was like, I'm going to do this. I got to really like plan this out in my mind. And I have it in an envelope. I put the cross in there. I put the, the poem in there and I decided like at a lunch period, I'm going to put the envelope in her bag when she goes to get lunch. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, like so much courage there. You know, like I have the poem, I have everything, and I just have to give it to her. 
But no, I can't do it. So I put it in her bag and then I just walk away. Like none the wiser, don't look back. I think I tried, I'd leave the lunchroom, just not going to handle this anymore because it just felt like instead of the release, sweet release of like, yes, now the love of my life knows that she is the love of my life. I was terrified because when you finally do the thing that you've been thinking about for like several years. And I, there wasn't a plan in my mind. I just knew that I wanted her to know how I felt. I wanted that emotion to feel validated, right? Um, when it actually happened, it was the scariest thing in my life because it felt like, gosh, like now I'm in this territory of the unknown. Like when you think about, at least when I was like super young in, in rom-coms, it's really nice to dream. But when you have to actually do the work, you're like, oh my God, God, this is so scary. So the rest of the day, I have no idea what's going to happen, right? Lunch period hits, and in primary school, um, you end class at 3 o'clock, which I forget. I was like, life was sweet. Yeah, um, you had so much time. So much time. And and, and something as a, a so important detail is like, you know, I'm going to primary school in the early 90s. Um, we didn't have lockers so we would get so many books and we have every these like really tiny kids with massive bags in New York. You just I, like the fact that we have back problems to this day, I would attribute to the, the, the poor conception of thinking about these textbooks for these little kids. But um, we had these large backpacks and I just need to put this particular detail because like when I'm leaving for school, like three o'clock rolls around and, you know, I already know my way home. I'm walking home since third grade. Um, and I'm walking home and I'm walking and, I'm and I wait and I wait at the stop sign for the crosswalk sign to, to go walk. And I have my big backpack. And then suddenly, like, I get, like, hit on, like, my left side. Um, and it was just, like, a, a kind of a blindsided hit. I'm on the floor. And, you know, like, I'm, you know, I, I have a lot of friends uh, playing sports and football. So, like, you, you kind of know what that feels like a little bit. And it was, like, a surprise hit. Um, and then I kept hearing laughing from like other girls. So it was like a bunch of girls laughing. And then I looked up, it's Eureka. And she had, uh, her backpack was like on her right side as if she was slung from left to right. And she clearly just like, Whoa. like just like just handled me just like, yeah, hit me hard. And I just kept thinking, I was like, but, but but the sweet Jesus piece <laughs> and the thoughtful poem, was it not enough for you? And because they just kept laughing and she didn't say anything. She just looked at me like incredulously. Yes, you've still yet to have any conversation with her. <laughs> and she still, and in the funny thing, she's like, yeah, that's, that's, oh my God, that's such a good detail. No word has been spoken yet, but, you, but you've now been, you've fallen in love, you've done this act of romance, and then you've just gotten wrecked by her. Wrecked. And, and then, and then all her friends are laughing at me. So this is not even yeah, like not, a great yeah, not, situation. Yeah, it's embarrassing on multiple occasions. Cause yeah, it would have been one thing if she just, I guess if she just hit you with just, just her around, that's still bad. Or she could have just never acknowledged this thing, but instead she like told all her friends and then like publicly did this thing to make you feel terrible. You know, I would, I, I would have, I definitely appreciate that more if she, completely ignored it because at least i knew yeah, the answer yeah, exactly. you know I, at least i, I knew the answer a, 
to me, that was what I thought this was going to. It's just you never heard from her again. You're like, well, I guess that was And she it. never spoke to me. Yeah, but instead, well, she never really she did point. spoke to yeah, me. Yeah. She, made a, she made a point to let you know she got the letter. Oh, my God. The cross in the poem, but was not having it, I guess. Right? Yeah. And then I, literally, uh, I remember getting upset, but not really doing anything about it in any particular way. Um, you know, like... Uh, I, I'd like to say there's still a soft romantic side of me completely, no matter what, and I'll always love her to forever and ever, Eureka. Uh, I walk home after that, and and that's it. And 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 like, and then I was like thinking, I was like, what is the moral of this story? I was like, no, not, love is hard and it hurts, and that's it. And the only thing I kept thinking about after the fact when I think about the story is that like. I'm still the same person, you know? I'm maybe like I'll actually have a conversation with someone, but like I'm I'm willing to take the action even if it hurts. And I think that's the thing that I think about, which is you're going to take the L. Um and and may, I definitely could approach it really differently and maybe I probably could have a conversation with a person, you know, for the at least within the 5 years that you are within the same vicinity, but I was like, you know, 5 to 10 years old and I and I and I appreciated that moment and it's so funny because I still think about this idea of like love because I think it evolves so much over the course of time. It evolves in your relationships and your conception of what a good partnership looks like. But I thought there was like this pureness to this like very sense of longing and emotion and no physicality. And it's just wanting to be around somebody and wanting to know what, how they, tick and what their passions like i wish i could have had conversations i wish i could have been like tell me what your dreams are at eight years old you know like yeah and then she could have just sucked so i guess it's yeah. like it could have ruined everything right it's like that is a that good part, point part of the dream is that you never got the reality i guess the reality was her smacking you with her backpack but like you truly never knew anything about her personality or her who she was as a person until that's why she's still perfect to me yeah exactly <laughs> it's like even though she did this even though she literally threw you to the ground uh yeah you still have this perfect idea not perfect idea but like yeah this ideal version of her because you never you never got the answer of who this person was other than somebody who smacked you with a backpack <laughs> yeah so uh you live and learn and uh, love hurts, and love is hard, and and continues to be sometimes. But you know, <laughs> hey, there we are, there we are. That's that's that's, and that's my story. Yeah, that's. I mean, it truly is a full. It's a full love hurts experience. It's, you got you got the actual hurting of the love hurts part too. So, <laughs> the double hurt is is really what it you almost want. as hurts as much as when um, someone spells Brian with an I in an yeah. email to me than Brian with almost Eureka comes back every time yeah you get every time little, I was like she like just smack on the left side exactly I was like God like why why you got a sweet <laughs> Jesus piece you know like we've known each that's, other well yeah that's the only other thing is like it the I think if she's gonna do that the last thing she should have done is threw the cross back at you. I know right like, she, like really kept it, she kept she still thought it was like oh this is a kind of cool I'm gonna keep this but I don't want this guy to be a part of my life. I won't lie I have been looking for a Eureka <laughs> like when I got older and Facebook was the thing and I still can, couldn't find her so it's just like I'm just like so curious about like because you know I, the thing about recollecting these stories and these memories in your mind is like. My relationship with memory is obviously from my perspective. And I always wonder, it's like, you know, what else is someone thinking? And like, gosh, if I ever get to meet her and I'll be like, oh, my God. Yeah, what was the story from your perspective? Yeah. Like, did you keep the cross? You know, did you think that it was cool like I did? Probably not. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man well thank you for sharing this brian of course you're welcome brian yeah do so i you know do you have anything that you want to like plug i don't know if you have like yeah. a website or what you do outside of the world i am a co-founder of a nonprofit called homecoming uh new york um and you can find us on ig at i believe homecoming new york and it's like new york spelled and like completely i was like we got to work on that um and it's it's uh yeah i think i talked about how elmer's is magic and it was the epicenter of covid uh, so we started a nonprofit uh, last year with the idea of like, I, I moved back to the neighborhood. Um, I spoke to a lot of the people in the community and I was trying to think about ways to support the community. And one of the things that I was noticing is like the restaurants that I love and grew up as a kid, like they were struggling, you know, there's, they don't have the same kind of capital that like Manhattan restaurants had, um, you know, to do outdoor dining. So takeout only at the time was really tough. And I wanted an opportunity to get people back into neighborhoods and to kind of spotlight um, the neighborhoods that I grew up in, but also just like the borough of Queens, which I think is incredible. So the the nonprofit was really was started to really tell the stories of the people behind the food and then to bring people back using like food crawls and, and, and that really we think pay fairly and, and provide, you know, um, a lot of spotlight to our restaurants. So, we, you know, we've done crawls now in Elmhurst, Jackson Heights, and we're, we're hoping to open Woodside. And we have one on August 6th. So if anybody's interested in Filipino, Himalayan, um, Bengali, Pakistani desserts, and, and Colombian food, uh, and talk about the stories of the people behind that and support these really amazing neighborhood restaurants, check out us at Homecoming. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. We got to get you out there. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for sharing, Brian. Thanks, Brian. is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced, hosted, and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. <laughs> <laughs>